Hey there, thoughtful listener. This is Josh Elledge, CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. I'm so excited to announce our new Thoughtful Entrepreneur High Ticket Sales Coaching Program, which you can try absolutely free. No credit card needed. Head to upmyinfluence.com slash free. We're also actively seeking guests for our daily commercial-free entrepreneurial inspiration podcast, the one you're listening to. If you know someone who is doing six to eight figures in business, send them our way. Just go to upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now let's get on with the show. With us right now, Brian Adams, president and founder of Excelsior Capital. You're found on the web, Brian, at ExcelsiorGP.com. I won't make an, uh, a joke about cuts like a knife or anything like that because it wouldn't be the first time. Well, and you would be yeah. aging yourself, Josh. That nowadays, would, yeah. nowadays, that kind of joke is a, is a dating mechanism. Yeah. It means that you're old. So <laughs> young people that I work with don't even know what, they don't get these jokes. Yeah, so. right, right. All right. So those who get it, get it. All right, Brian, continuing on. Tell me what Excels, Excelsior does. Sure. So we're a private equity commercial real estate investment platform based in Nashville, Tennessee. And we raise capital on a deal-by-deal basis from a network of high net worth individuals, family offices, and boutique wealth management firms. Mm -hmm. We invest in commercial real estate. That can mean a lot of different things for us, but we essentially solve three problems in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Private access to direct co-investment opportunities, double-digit cash-on-cash yield, and all the tax benefits that come from direct real estate ownership. Those are the three things that we do. Yeah. Um, in, in other terms, is would, would this be um, syndicated deals then? Correct. Yes, yeah. sir. Okay. Correct. Wonderful. Exactly. So, yeah. so tell me from your vantage point, you know, as of when we're recording this uh, middle of 2021, um, what do you see going on in the commercial real estate market? It's gangbusters across the board. Um, we could talk about this for an hour probably, but the the dynamic that we see is most investors are cash heavy. They already have a pretty large allocation to the public market, but they can't find real yield anywhere. Their fixed income portfolios are underperforming. Private credit or corporate debt valuations are pretty stressed and yields are still pretty subsued, uh, subdued. So they are looking for alternative ways to generate some kind of cash distribution dividend. And so because of that, and that that's across the spectrum, right? That's from an individual high net worth person to an international pension plan out of the Middle East or Western Europe. They're all looking for a safe place to park capital mm. that can give them some kind of yield. And domestic commercial real estate in America is the best place to go right now. And because of that, we've just seen a huge amount of appetite across the board for all asset classes over the last 12 months. Right. So when we talk about commercial real estate, um, do you have any favorite profiles, things that you're looking for? Yeah. So it's a great question. I'm going to respond by saying, <laughs> I'm hedging that by what your risk adjusted return profile is, right? Ah, interesting. And I, so, and I, so that makes me curious, what's high risk in commercial and high, high potential return versus, you know, much, yeah. much lower risk, but you know. I, so. And you, you, you've got to understand the dynamic that's impacting our market today, which is, like I said, some of these groups, um, if you're a pension plan in Germany, right, and you have a huge amount of capital you need to put to work, 
by law, you are required to per, put X percent of that money into domestic bonds. And right now, the German Bund is about negative 100, 200 basis points. So when you look at relative returns, you know, a 2% or 3% positive return versus a 2% negative return, it looks pretty good for you, right? So you've got these huge groups putting capital to work and their cost of capital, their expected return profile is so low that that flushes through the entire ecosystem of US commercial real estate. So for me, when I, when I get that question, like, where should I put my money to work? Well, it depends on your time horizon and it depends on your risk profile. If you want very low return, very low risk, mm-hmm. go buy Amazon Distribution Center, right? Brand new class A, but it's going to be at a three cap. You could go buy an apartment complex in Austin, Texas at a two cap, three cap. And so you're getting a 2% return on that. You'll probably be very safe. It may appreciate as well over time. Over a hundred year time horizon, probably be a great deal. Mm. What we see is we only work with taxable investors and they have liquidity needs, right? They can't put money to work for 50, hundred years. At some point they mm. need that capital back when Johnny goes to college or they need to you know, get a new house, X, Y, Z. And so for us, I really think you need to be in that 10% yield range to justify yeah. the risk and illiquidity you're taking on. And so to do that right now, we like medical office and flex um, office buildings, flex industrial, that type of product. We're doing a deal, actually a retail deal in your backyard in Orlando <laughs> right now. So we just go where we find opportunity, where we can solve those three problems for our marketplace. Yeah. When you say, when you say flex, um, that it basically can be modded to uh, suit the tenant then. Is that right? Flex, the way to think about flex commercial real estate is it's the mullet of commercial real estate, right? It's kind of business in the front. You've got office, <laughs> retail, storefront, where yeah, people okay. ingress, egress, but then you've got the back half, which could be distribution, industrial, storage, warehouse, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It's usually that single story product that you see around the airport, wherever market you live in. Mm-hmm. That's typically that flex product. And it may not be the prettiest stuff in the world, but it's very affordable. Yeah. It's a triple net leases, which are very easy to asset manage. And they stay full because not a lot of people want that type of product in their backyard. So it's wow. kind of like self-storage. The product that you see, it's very hard to replicate new um, product type considering how expensive it is and how people don't really want that in their neighborhoods anymore. Mm-hmm. But because of e-commerce and last mile distribution, all these buzzwords you hear about in the paper, it's it's a very popular product type. And, and users that want maybe a more affordable, flexible usage um, of space, that flex uh, product is a great spot for them. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to point out too, your your background, you were an assistant, you used to be an assistant DA. I'm a recovering attorney. Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> and how yeah. do you how do you compare life today versus uh, being in the law? <laughs> you know, um, it was a great way to cut my teeth. And as a New Yorker who had moved to Nashville, it was a great way to learn about the city and the area. And it's one of those few jobs where you can go home at night and say, I tried my best to make a difference Mm -hmm. every day, but it is a gig where you're either there for five years or 50 years. And I just knew I was not a lifer. I wanted to do something more entrepreneurial, but I learned a lot on that job. Yeah. Um, What about, uh, tell me about, uh, and I don't know if you 
do much work in Nashville itself, but uh, Nashville seems to be quite a burgeoning city. Lots of development, lots of growth, lots of redevelopment I've seen. Yeah, it is on fire. Um, and it, it definitely fits into the bucket of great places to live, bad places to invest. <laughs> because <laughs> it is, I thought you just blogged about that. Yeah, we did a blog about this because we get this question a lot. Why are you based in Nashville, but you don't own anything there? Yeah, well, wow. one, my wife is from here and I can't leave unless I get divorced, which would be really <laughs> difficult. Um, but two, it is a great place to live. No, ta- no state income tax, really high quality of life, low cost of living. We get all four seasons, but the weather is good. Um, I have two little kids, great place to raise a family, et cetera. It checks all of those boxes, but it's become a class A institutional commercial real estate marketplace. Mm-hmm. And because of that, cap rates are very low. It makes a ton of sense to develop here. We don't have that risk appetite, but to buy in place cash flow, um, it's really challenging. So it just has been a hard place for us to find opportunity, but you know, we're in 14 other markets and, and we have market expertise elsewhere, but Nashville, to go back to your original question, I'll give you an anecdote uh, just as a data point. My wife works at a uh, all girls private school, uh, middle school, high school here in town. And their applications from out of state families were up 400% year over year compared to last year. So the influx of people from the Northeast and the West Coast, it's real, it's happening, and it's, it's not going to go away anytime soon. Oh, fantastic. You know, I, uh, so in terms of like working with Excelsior, if I'm an investor, uh, first up, do you work with accredited investors only? Accredited but non-institutional investors, correct? Okay. What, what, um, and what? What's, I'm sorry. What's the What's the difference there? Sure. An institutional investor in our um, definition is a non-taxable entity. So a pension plan or oh, an endowment okay. or a foundation. We do work with some family foundations, but for the most part, those institutional limited partners are non-taxable entities. And because of that, what we found in our experience is oftentimes general partners or sponsors that have a mix of accredited, but also institutional, maybe qualified purchasers, those QPs, those institutional LPs are going to be driving the boat, right? And so oftentimes those managers end up making investment decisions that are tax inefficient. And for us, one of the beautiful things about real estate and what I tell people all the time, you know, you hear the adage, don't fight the Fed. Well, you should, don't fight the IRS. (laughs) The tax code is a set of incentives and disincentives to encourage or discourage certain behavior. And if you look at the tax code, it is encouraging you to get married, have a family, own your own home, and invest in commercial real estate. And you should take full advantage because with accelerated depreciation, bonus depreciation, cost segregation analysis, we can oftentimes show a loss on your K-1 while still giving you 10 to 12% yield year one. And that's just an incredibly powerful tool for a taxable investor to offset gains elsewhere in their portfolio. Mm. Um, only because I see, uh, in terms of, it says, so under upcoming pitch details, um, you had, uh, listed a property that's in the hospitality industry. What, what do you see? I mean, again, hospitality seems to be a real boomerang. I don't know, right. What the right term for it is right now. A lot of volatility over the past 18 months, but I'm really curious if, if demand for hospitality is, 
if you see any trends there. Yeah, so uh, it's a little confusing. I do something called uh, the Excelsior Capital Club, where uh-huh. once a month I have entrepreneurs, sponsors, managers come on to do a pitch event that I open up to my entire network. I don't have any economics in those uh, pitches or those deals necessarily, but it's a way for me to educate my network and my uh, peers about cool opportunities or to meet interesting emerging managers. So that was a pitch that happened last week. A friend of mine is doing a hospitality deal in Nashville, kind of an urban infill redevelopment. Very cool. Um, So that was just something that I do as a value add to my, to my investors but I didn't. I'm, we're not participating in that deal ourselves. But, yeah, no. I'm. I'm yeah. looking through your portfolio, and just like you said, yes, there's a lot of. Uh, I, you know, a lot of those. Uh, what did you call flex? Uh, yeah. Several medical, flex industrial, yeah. office. Yeah. Yeah. Gorgeous. All right. So, um, someone has been listening to us, and they're like, okay, well, um, I'm interested in the returns that you were talking about. Um, what is it? What does it look like? Um, you know, from an investor standpoint, in terms of like engagement, like what's what's that first conversation? Where do you, and and where do you go from there typically when there's interest? Yeah, the investor journey or the investor yeah, experience. Yeah. yeah. Um. And and this is certainly something that I got wrong early in my career. After doing this for eleven years, made a lot of mistakes initially, and have since learned from them. And I think the one of the biggest ones was to be empathetic with my investors and understand exactly what they want and and how they wanted it. Mm -hmm. And so um, for us, you can come to us through a lot of channels, obviously, these days. Warm introductions, referrals, obviously. I have a podcast. I go on a lot of podcasts. We have webinars that we put on the Capital Club. Uh, We meet a lot of folks that way. And we're very active on LinkedIn. And so you know, folks can kind of come through the funnel there and then go to the website. But if you were to just email us and say, I want to learn more, you'll get a call from someone on our team just to do an introduction, understand who you are, what we do to see if it's a fit. And then, you know, once we um, can ascertain that you're an accredited investor, you'll go on the distribution list. And um, what you'll get is when a new opportunity presents itself, I realize that not everybody, much to my chagrin or hurting my ego, wants to have like a two hour steak dinner with me to talk about how great I am. (laughs) And so what we've done is we've created a system where through drone footage, through recorded pitches, um, through other kind of um, technological advances, you can learn everything about the deal on your own time, 2 a.m. on a flight over the North Atlantic in about 10 or 15 minutes. And you get all the diligence that we provide to the lender, everything that we have, et cetera, then if you have follow-up questions, you want to do a call, we're happy to do it. But for the most part, folks can really understand who we are, what we do, and what the opportunity itself, based on everything that we provide that email. And then it's this function of, okay, yes, I like this opportunity. What allocation should I make? And we kind of go from there. Yeah. Uh, one, one other article on here that I was looking at on your website, you're talking, uh, I guess you recently had a webinar around how e-com is driving logistics. Mm -hmm. And uh, could you speak on that just a little bit, just in terms of investment opportunities? Again, you know, we look at where trends are. Yeah. I mean, obviously we all know of this Amazon effect. And interestingly, I posted on LinkedIn, I think two years ago, Amazon used to deliver less than 25% of their own packages. 
And now Amazon, as of this year, is over 65% delivering their own packages today. So obviously, this kind of last mile distribution center um, e-commerce impact was accelerated to COVID. It's not going away. And there's simply not enough product out there um, to maintain the volume that these distribution systems need to, um, to fill the demand. And so what, what these folks are doing, which is really cool, is um, I probably might not get the pitch exactly right, but essentially they're going out there and they're developing spec million square foot distribution centers. And spec means that they don't have a tenant in place, right? They're doing it on, on speculation. And because these large institutions love that, like what I was talking about before, they're very low risk. There's not a lot of moving pieces. There's maybe one or two tenants. They're triple net for the most part. So it's kind of fire and forget type investments. Cap rates obviously are very low. Everyone wants that product type. So they can develop them at, call it a six cap on on cost. And then they can sell them at a four cap to an institutional investor. And so they're taking advantage of that arbitrage and that kind of that risk on the developer side. It's a group called Crescent. It's a big multifamily office out of Chicago Mm. and Mm. Florida. And it's a fund that they started. They're doing some really cool things. So I, I like that pitch a lot. Yeah. Um, and if someone is not yet an accredited investor, how do they become so? Um, sure. So today the regs are that you need to have a $200,000 annual income over the last two years or a net worth of a million dollars absent your primary home. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the qualifications. Um since we only work with accredited investors, it's a self-certifying process. So, you know, I have to have a good faith belief um, that you are an accredited investor. And we obviously talk through that. And oftentimes our minimum in those conversations initially, you know, I've learned that I'm not the right fit for every investor and every investor is not the right fit for me. So very early on, we talk about setting expectations um, being very clear and transparent with our process, who you like to work with. And, you know, if $100,000 or $200,000 is going to be like a make or break investment for you, it, I'm not the right manager yeah. for you. Um, and you're not the right investor for me, which is fine. There's a lot of other places you can go now as an unaccredited investor to find some great opportunities. And we're happy to share those resources with you. But for who we are and what we do, that's our niche. Mm, great. Awesome. Brian Adams, again, your website, Excelsior GP. Uh, and, and Brian, when someone goes to your website, what, what, what would you recommend, like if they're kind of just wanting to dive into your world? Yeah, I mean, we've created so much content over the last 18 months that it's probably, you know, overwhelming. But <laughs> I would really encourage people to go to the resources tab, check out our blogs, check out our webinars. They're all on YouTube. Um, and obviously, there's no gating or it's all free. And you can learn a lot about who we are and what we do and check out the portfolio. Um, you can see our past opportunities, what the investment thesis has been, um, what the performance has been like, and you can get a sense of kind of where we focus pretty quickly. So mm-hmm. definitely the resources tab and then the portfolio. And then if you just go on LinkedIn, we repost everything as well as YouTube um, and we're very active. Uh, so that's, that's what I would recommend for people to do. Awesome. All right. Brian Adams, your website, excelsiorgp.com. Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me.
Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, we have an audience of over 120,000 that we would love to promote your story to. Please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. I'm also so excited to announce our new Thoughtful Entrepreneur High Ticket Sales Coaching Program, which you can try absolutely free. No credit card needed. Head to upmyinfluence.com slash free. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you do that, tag us with the hashtag upmyinfluence. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. What do you win? Well, we will promote you and retweet you and re-share you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans totally free. Can you also hook us up in your podcast player right now? please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review and we promise to read it all and take action. Thank you if you've done this already. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, please hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 to 20 minutes a day. My name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Thank you.